continuing to preach on the bad habits of Jesus. And by that, I don't mean that Jesus sinned or did anything wrong, but just that Jesus uh, does not do things the way uh, the culture expects him to. He lives by a different kingdom and a different set of rules. And so we're kind of having some fun exploring that. We're going to talk in future weeks about how Jesus spit, how he procrastinated and was late to things, how he liked to party. So we're going to have a little bit of fun with this over the summer. Today we're looking at the relationship Jesus had with children. So the story was already read, but let's take a look at it. People are always trying to get around Jesus. We see this in the Bible all the time. Sometimes for healing, sometimes just for a blessing. In fact, there's this one story where there's so many people around Jesus that this really short guy can't see him. Remember this story? Remember Zacchaeus, this wee little man? Okay, and so Zacchaeus has to uh, climb a tree just so he can get a glimpse of Jesus. And Jesus sees him and calls him down. There's another story where there's so many people around Jesus in a house that some people who want this man healed have to go up and bust a hole in the roof and lower the man down to get him to Jesus. Jesus is surrounded by crowds. Everybody wants to see him. Everybody wants to be blessed by Jesus. And so apparently even parents are bringing their children and their babies to Jesus. Now why would you want your child to be with Jesus as a baby? Well, in those days, many, they didn't have health care. Okay, a lot of times they didn't have good food and nutrition. And so many, many children did not make it. In fact, almost one, it's estimated that almost one in three children did not make it to their first birthday in the first century. Okay, so let, let me put that in perspective. I have four children up here. In the first century, chances are I'd have two or three. Okay, that's the reality that, that people lived in in those days. In fact, children died so often that children were symbols of death. Okay, they were actually symbols in some poetry of, of death and of loss. Okay, you didn't get too attached to your children because you may not get to keep them. And so there was this distance that people had from their children. So the disciples see these babies and children being brought to Jesus and they begin to rebuke the parents. You can't do that. Jesus can't be bothered by this little chil- these little children. The disciples seem to be jerks here and I guess they kind of are. But that was the understanding of their day. Children were a little more expendable. They were dirty. They were messy. Children were to be seen, but not heard, and in fact, rarely seen. Don't have children around adults. In fact, you you weren't even around your dad that much. Let alone, you would never bring your children around a rabbi. This was the assumption of their culture. They had little to offer. Okay, in a culture that really valued intellect and thought... The thoughts of a child were were worthless. Come back to us when you're a little more important and you know a little bit more about the world. Orphans were not cared for at all, but really were left to fend for themselves, which in that day they could not. So according to the culture, the disciples are right. These children, we shouldn't be messing with these children. Jesus shouldn't be messing with these children. So they decided to take matters into their own hands. We'll be the bad guys. We'll be the bouncer so Jesus doesn't look bad. And we'll get these children away from Jesus. Reminds me of the, a guy named Karl Barth. Karl Barth was this very, very important theologian. Wrote this thing called Dogmatics, which is like a bunch, a bunch of books about theology. Died in 1968. I mean, he's so important that going to a Reformed seminary, there's no way to not interact with Barth. You have to read Barth. Hugely, hugely important theologian. And I have a book of his called Deliverance to the Captives. 
And there are sermons that he preached in Basel prison over the years. Here's this great theologian, great thinker in Germany. Um, and he ends up filling in for a pastor who preaches at the prison every once in a while. And there were no people that scoffed at that. How come this great theologian, this great theological mind would waste any time in prison? In fact, it, Bart was hard to hear. You, like, you, he didn't preach that much. And you couldn't often go hear him because churches would fill up. So there was a saying that said, if you want to hear Bart, you got to get thrown in prison. That's the only way you're ever going to hear Bart preach. People didn't like that he would preach to these. But yet Bart said he enjoyed his time in those prisons. And the sermons are fantastic sermons. Here too, the disciples are trying to scoff at what Jesus is doing. Why would you give time to these children? But Jesus will have none of it. What did the text say? Let them come to me. Don't hinder them. Don't get in the way. This has not always been an easy lesson for the church. We have not always known what to do with crying babies or sugared up children in worship, right? We don't always know what to do with these. We don't always know what to do with children in our worship spaces. What have, we, what have we done? Well, a lot of times we do family ministry where we've kind of divided up the family. And we do children's ministry, we do youth ministry, we do adult ministry. And um, I sometimes worry that in an age where the family seems to be falling apart, the church might have unknowingly been a part of that. And instead of encouraging strong families, we played our part in dividing up the family. That's why we, we tend to do more stuff as families around here. Um, one of the things we've done is we've had cry rooms. Have you been to churches with cry rooms? We have sort of this glass area where they can hear the worship, but, um, but then we can't hear their crying. And, and they have their place, and some people like them. But I remember, and I think I've told this story before, I went to visit a church and, um, with my family when I was in college. And I have a little brother named Gideon who has Down syndrome. And he's been to worship before. Uh, here and he makes when he's nervous he's in a new place pretty much all the time he makes sort of this humming sound I'll spare you an impression but he's always making this sort of humming sound in the background and I remember we visited a church and um, the the pastor who knew my dad came up to my dad and suggested that so that my brother wouldn't be a distraction he'd go back to the cry room he'd go back behind the glass so that he wouldn't be a distraction for other people and uh, worship could continue and he could also hear the worship service. Now here's the problem with that. My brother is now older. My brother is now 24. Okay? He's still making that humming sound. Okay? My brother would never ever get to leave that cry room if that was the rules. Okay? Never. And you think he can sit back there by himself? No. The only place for my mother and my brother in that church was behind the glass not fully a part of the worship service, not totally allowed in the presence of God and in the presence of community. The church has wrestled with how to deal with noisy kids, how to deal with people that make noises, how to deal with people that don't quite fit our sense of normal. Now certainly we need to help children find Jesus and not hinder them. That's why we want children leading our worship services and we want children to be in our services. In fact, I always tell parents when they come in, I say, listen, I wrote this sermon with four kids running around. OK, 
Okay, I could deliver this sermon in a hurricane. You don't have to leave. You just stay right there. It'll be fine. I'll just keep marching. Jesus violates the norms of his day and he spends time with kids and he welcomes kids into his presence and he won't turn them away. Even though they are children, they're babies, they have little to offer the world, no quote-unquote value for the world. Yet, Yet Jesus goes even further. The disciples are trying to, to, to rebuke these parents, but instead Jesus rebukes them. And not only does he say not to hinder them, but listen to Jesus' words again. For to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus values children and he wants to be with children and he thinks children ought to be able to be in worship and be in his presence. But he's also saying that as adults... We need to learn from children. Don't we change as we get older? Right? We learn to be more self-reliant. To not be so dependent. We learn to care more about what others think. We feel like we have to understand something instead of just trusting it in order to believe. We learn how to stop trying so that we don't fail. Can you imagine if children were like adults with failure? Imagine a kid trying to learn how to walk that gives up as easily as most of us give up. Okay? They fall once, bump their head on the end table. That's it. I'm not trying this anymore. Right? If you've watched a kid learn how to walk, you understand. It's like a week-by-week a, a week process of fumbling and constantly stumbling and falling and getting hurt. You can tell little kids that are learning how to walk, right? Because they got bruises here and cuts here and a chin gets bruised right here, right? Somehow, as we become adults, we, we lose our ability to fail and to try and to make mistakes. And we get way, way conservative. Think about this. You don't work an instrument. You play an instrument, The best moments in our lives come when we play, when we get a little goofy, when we have a little bit of fun. There's a certain amount of creativity, certain ideas that are not going to come to you if you're not being a little playful, if you're not thinking outside the box. Where is our joy? Where is our fun as adults? Play can be so healing, so mood-altering, can give us such great ideas. Where's our play? I read this week about, you kids are going to like this. London Children's Hospital. And they rebuilt London Children's Hospital and they built it so that there's, there's like a glass area on the inside that goes all the way up the hospital so kids can look out the windows. These, these windows need cleaned often. In fact, they get cleaned more often than they need to. The one requirement that a, the, the company that cleans the windows has to sign is that anybody who cleans the windows at this hospital has to be dressed up like a superhero. Okay? So there's all these kids sick, okay? all these kids very sick. Some of them may never leave that hospital. And then suddenly one day, Spider-Man is dangling from a rope outside their window cleaning the glass. Can you imagine? This has picked up now, and you can find this in different states. Okay, Pittsburgh does it, Mandy says. I've heard of it in other hospitals too. Where, what a fun, playful idea. What a fun, playful idea. Where's the play in your life? Where's the play in your work? Where, what have you, when is the last time you and your family did something goofy and off the wall and had some fun? It is life-giving. 
We do need to learn from children. They have a lot to teach us. And I remember my faith totally changed when I had that one right there. My first one, Jamie. Okay. I remember I was given this little thing in the hospital. I thought, I love this thing. I love this kid. I would do anything for this kid. And I remember uh, a little bit later that day, the nurse handed him back to me again. And I, I asked the nurse, because everybody's so careful with babies. I asked her if the, if the baby's head would fall off. <laughs> and she was not as amused as you were. But I remember, I, remember, I remember thinking this as that day went on. Is this what a father's love is like? And if God loves me that much, or even more perfectly than I love my kid, how much more does God love me that way? That God holds me in his hands like that. And as my kids had gotten older and I had a couple more of them, they taught me a lot about patience and about having fun and about letting loose a little bit and, and the importance of learning how to work. Kids have a lot to cheat, teach us. And we need to pay attention to those lessons. And we can't pay attention to those lessons if we're constantly telling them to be quiet and go away from us. You've got to be around kids to get those lessons. But let's be clear. Jesus is not just saying we need to learn from children. His message is so much more dramatic than that, and you need to hear it today. Jesus is saying that you can only accept the kingdom of God like a child. If you don't become a little bit childish in your faith, you miss it. You can't get it. There's something so fundamental to the Christian faith and to God's kingdom that requires us, not suggests. Jesus says, requires us. Unless you become like one of these children... You, you can't get this kingdom. Now, Jesus doesn't exactly tell us how we have to be children. But as adults, we want to know that, right? Well, Jesus, how, how is it that we got to be children? That's a, totally an adult question. As, but I will say this. As much as we want to make the Christian faith logical and mature, let's be honest. It's a little crazy to believe that God is a trinity, to believe that Jesus would die on the cross for us, to believe that he rose from the dead. At some point, your logical brain ain't going to get you there. At some point, you have to just accept what Jesus has done for you. At some point, you have to just trust. At some point, you have to throw your cares to the wind and start just looking at this strange storybook we call the Bible and thinking, maybe this is my story too. Perhaps that's why Jesus taught so much in story. I thought as I got older, I would have more answers. I've gone to school a lot. I've read a lot. But I have found as I get older that I know more what I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And I have found as I get older, I'm learning to be okay with not having all the answers. I'm learning to just trust and have a much simpler, more childlike faith. That great theologian I talked about earlier, Karl Barth, again, Huge sets of books that this man has written. Hugely influential on Christian theology. He will absolutely go down, not just as one of the most important theologians of this last century, but I'm telling you one of the most important Christians of this last century. He was once asked to sum up his whole theology in a sentence. Okay, guy wrote a a volume of dogmatics, it's called. Okay, and they said, well, can you sum up your theology in a sentence? And Bart paused And he looked at him with a grin and he said, Jesus loves me 
This I know, for the Bible tells me so. For all Bart, for all Bart's brilliance and all of his writing, in the end, his faith was summed up in that little children's song. May your faith be so simple and so strong today. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your love and for your grace. I thank you for the children in our lives. Pray that they would grow up to know you and be strong and that you would teach us to be like children. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.